0: Well, good morning and welcome. My name is Randy. It's great to to have you today. Isn't that awesome about the special needs ministry? I'm telling you, that uh, is something that Eric uh, and his team, and there is a large team that are working on that, so pray for that and volunteer if that relates to you, uh, if you have an interest or if you know of someone who has a child with special needs that we can minister and and serve. Well, guys, we are here at near the end of the road. Uh, Several years ago, Rascal Flatts uh, sang a song, Life is a Highway. Uh, a journey. We believe in that so much that we changed our name uh, to indicate that our mission is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. And we know that all along the road of life and the journey uh, that we travel, that people are getting on and and, and starting their own journey. And so uh, we've been uh, privileged the last few weeks to share in this uh, series, kind of long series for us, eight weeks, in talking about that life is a highway, it's a road to recovery and there is a journey of healing and restoration that God invites us to join Him on. That, you know, when we get off the track, it would be easy for God just to just give up on us, you know, and, and walk away. But instead, uh, God invites us to get our act together. He, and he helps us. He empowers us. We've been talking about that and about several steps that we can take to be the person that God intends for us to be. And to realize that God has created all, all of us with a purpose and, uh, and a, a reason that we exist, and sometimes we get distracted from that, we get confused, and uh, sometimes our struggles can literally be life-controlling. They can take over our life, dictate how we live, and, and, and tear our lives apart. But other times, it's, uh, maybe it's just a simple distraction in our life that we're pulled away from. And along this journey, I really tried to encourage you, while, while this has a broad application to people who are dealing with life-controlling situations like addictions or things like that, it also applies to every one of us when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, because all of us are, are broken and lost without Jesus. And, and Christ comes down, came down to save us and give us hope. And so all these steps we've talked about basically uh, apply to everybody across the board in every situation that we're in. And so for the last time, i want to run through these uh, eight steps again, or seven steps. I'll give you the eighth today uh, that we'll be talking about. But these are a way that God's given us Uh, steps to overcome our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Number one, realize that I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and my life is unmanageable. Number two, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, that He has the power to help me recover. Thirdly, choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Four, openly examine and confess my faults to God, myself, and someone I trust. Number five, voluntarily submit to every change that God wants to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove any character defects. Number six, evaluate all of my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others except when to do so would harm them or others. Number seven, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and to gain the power to follow His will. And today, our eighth step, as we kind of wrap this series up, uh, is to why, the re- why in recovery, yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. Now, by the way, if you are familiar with recovery programs, uh, the eight steps that we talked about, just, I just shared, are the 12 steps of AA and NA, basically reduced to eight, uh, for a little bit of simplicity there. And by the way, each and every one of these, as we talked about at the very beginning of our study, each of these is based upon God's Word. And if you haven't had a chance to be with us over the last eight weeks and to hear these messages, you can go online and listen to them. And I would encourage you to to maybe share them with other people who maybe need some uh, encouragement in their life or some direction in their life. But if you're here today and God's been doing some things in your life and you've been kind of following this road to recovery, Now I want you to know that God wants you to do something about it, that God wants you to use your experiences in life for the benefit of other people. You know, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I think that maybe God just wants to choose to use the most talented people around, and all of us admire those people, the great people with great character, the, the the well-spoken people, the, the smartest people of all this, you know, all around us, we think, man, those are the people that God really wants to use, the people who seem to have it all together with great strength. But I want you to know that God also uses ordinary people, not from our strengths, but He uses it from, uses us from our weaknesses. So here's the reality is that people can't always identify with our strengths. You may have some strengths that people look to and they say, I wish I looked like them or I wish I spoke like them, I wish I sang like them, I wish I had that kind of, you know, endurance or that kind of resistance to temptation or whatever it might be. People don't always identify with our strengths, but they always identify with our weaknesses. If there's a time that we can say, man, I struggle with this or I have a challenge with that or I used to do this and and I admit, man, I'm all messed up. And only by the grace of God am I able to find some, you know, some cure from that, some healing. When we admit those type of things, that becomes very attractive to people. And they begin to identify with us. Now the reality is that many of us, we like to hide our our weaknesses. We like to hide the struggles in our life. And if we've done something, we keep it in the dark. And we know that when something's in the dark, it tends to grow. And it tends to, to, you know, not die. Like all of us need to die to our sin. So it needs to be brought out in the open. And so even though it's hard for us to mention and acknowledge our weaknesses, we need to be able to do that. And we need to remember them so that we don't repeat them, but also when we remember them, we need to understand that God wants to use our weaknesses, use our past, our pain, our experiences, whatever it may be, to help other people, and then we become willing to yield ourselves to be used by God. You know, one of the shifts that we're making as a church over the last couple of years, and I'm really excited about it, is to be even more intentional than ever about making disciples who make disciples. You see, in the past sometime, and and I don't know about you, but this is how I always thought about it, is that my job as a Christian is to get to know everything I can, to just gather information, to study and learn and grow and clean my life up and just get as good as I can possibly be, And, and, and everybody else will do the same thing, we'd all do fine. But the reality is, is that we can almost grow in a silo to ourselves and, and the Bible says this, and that's not what we're created for. If that's all we were made for, we could reach a place of perfection and God would just beam us up to heaven and, and we'd be out of this place, right? But the reality is that we are here. We are to become disciples to help other people as well. The real goal is to, yes, grow ourselves, improve ourselves, become more like Christ, but then immediately begin to pour into other people who may be a little bit or maybe a lot behind us. And let me tell you, there are people around you every day, who maybe are a little bit behind you, or they may be a long way behind you, and you have a lot to offer to them. You see, our job is to lead people to Jesus, but it's also to help believers grow and then reproduce ourselves so that they, in turn, understand the whole disciple-making process. You know, God has an amazing amount of faith in us as a church because there really isn't any structure, when you think about it, beyond that for the church to continue generation after generation. It's up to us as parents to make disciples of our children, but even beyond that, to make disciples of other people, to take a very intentional approach to that. And so recovery is no different. It's the same thing. The proof of recovery is that now you want other people to grow themselves and you want to help them, not just keep focusing on what's happening to you. Have you ever been around that person who who everything in the world is about them? I mean, all their time is spent telling you about themselves. Maybe, maybe they talk about the bad and where they were, but it's all about themselves. They never mention anybody else. That's a self-centered way to live, but when someone is doing that, you always worry about that person because they've never gotten past themselves. And the Bible says now it's time for us to get over ourselves, get beyond ourselves, use our experiences, but invest in other people. And what I notice in people who are in recovery, who are doing well, is that they love to help other people in overcoming their own battles. Next Sunday morning is going to be a special day here. It's Labor Day weekend, and we're going to wind up this series. We're going to put a bow on it, and we're going to do this with the testimonies of some people who are in recovery. There are some folks that that we know who are part of our extended family, church family, who are in recovery, and they're now helping other people as well. So that's something to look forward to next week. But today, we're gonna ask two questions, try to answer them. And the neat thing about these questions, one of them specifically, is it's a very general question that all of us ask ourselves sometime. Two questions we're gonna ask and try to answer. First of all, why does God allow our pain? And then secondly, how can I use my pain to help other people? Now that first question, all of us have probably asked at some point in my life, Why does God allow this pain in my life? Couldn't God have spared me this pain? You know, we've all asked that question. uh, Would a loving God allow certain things to happen in this world? Would God allow these things to happen to me? So what is the answer for that? Could God have spared this? Of course He could. God can do everything. But let me share with you four reasons why I believe that God allows us to go through challenging times ourselves. Four reasons. The first is that God has given us a free will. God's given us this free will, and we like this most of the time, don't we? We like the ability to do whatever we want to do. We want freedom. We love that, that we're not programmed or forced to do anything. We have free will, but the problem is that our free will oftentimes gets us in trouble. It gets us in trouble. Now, why did God give us so much freedom? Because God didn't want us to be programmed either. God did not want us to be puppets that had to respond to the strings that he was pulling all the time. To be forced to obey Him. He wants us to love Him and obey Him voluntarily. Because isn't that the way that we show love? We go beyond what we have to do. And we voluntarily show love to people. That's what God wants from us. And so He's given us this free will to make a choice. But our free will is both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing and a burden because sometimes we make really bad choices that cause all kinds of, of painful consequences in our life. We make choices sometimes that lead us to addictions. We choose to do something and we don't have an intention for it to be a catastrophe down the road, but sometimes it becomes an addictive thing. We make choices sometimes that lead to health diseases, diseases in our life that that hurt our physical body. We make choices that lead us into financial problems and we foolishly get into those problems and then we got got big issues. We make choices that end up blowing or destroying or hurting our relationships and our deal with relational problems. And the pain that we experience is a potential result of all the freedom that we have. Because you have so much free will, you can make choices. Here's the other thing, because everybody else has free will as well, they sometimes hurt you, don't they? If you've ever been hurt by a parent or a spouse or a, a sibling or a friend, a teacher, whoever it might be, you know, understand that God could have prevented that from happening But had he done that, he would have have to take away freedom from everybody. And we don't live in a world that, that works like that. God says you have freedom. Unfortunately, we abuse our freedom. He does not limit the freedom of people who are trying to hurt other people. God wants the best for us, but God also allows us to make these choices. He's a just God, a fair God, and he never overrides our free will. I think that's also true about eternity when you think about it. That God has this longing, this desire to have us with Him forever, to accept Jesus as Lord, but He will respect our rejection of Jesus. He will allow us not to do that. He longs for it. He wants it from every person, but He gives us the freedom of will to choose that. So we have free will. The second thing is that God uses our pain to get our attention, to get our attention in line. Our physical, relational, emotional, or spiritual pain is not our main problem. It is just a symptom of our problem. It's a symptom of our brokenness. Pain is God's megaphone shouting us uh, out to say, something is drastically wrong in your life. And you know what? We may see the light, but we've already said that we don't change when we see the light, we change when we feel the heat. And God may turn the heat up in your life in some way to get your attention. God may hurt you or allow you to hurt in order for you to listen and say, there's a problem here. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is writing to a church that he has previously written in the first letter to the Corinthian church. In the first letter, Paul had been pretty brutal in confronting their sin. He addresses all sorts of things in that book. But then in 2 Corinthians, he writes this, chapter 7, he said, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that in my letter, you, I, my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful, as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done." See, in this letter of Paul's, or this verse, Paul's contrasting two types of sorrow. He says, earthly sorrow, the sin in your life, that's going to cause you regret, that's going to hurt you. But when that's confronted by the truth and you experience godly sorrow, that will bring about repentance that leads to salvation. And that's the type of hurt, if you want to call it that, that sometimes God allows us to go through. When we heard, we began to cry out to God and God says, I'm here, but you need to address this issue in your life because this is why you're hurting. And sometimes God has to get our attention and redirect us. Do you remember the story of Jonah in the Old Testament? Jonah was a prophet of God and God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach repentance. And Jonah just said, I don't want to do that. I want to go on a Mediterranean cruise. And so he jumped on a ship Went out in the sea, God said, I can stop that cruise very quickly, and so he sent a huge storm that ended up almost shipwrecking him, and then all of a sudden, his friends, the sailors, threw him overboard. Remember that story? And he was swallowed by a big fish, and he ended up in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. Here's what it says. Jonah says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Jonah said, it was only when I was in the belly of the fish and I was about to die and I was suffering, only then did I remember God. And isn't that how we are sometimes? When we go through life, we're distracted, we seem to be doing well, but when the pain comes, we remember God. And then our prayer rises to God, to, to, to His holy temple. So God sometimes needs to get our attention. Thirdly, God uses pain to teach me to depend upon Him. I learned to depend upon God through my pain. The Apostle Paul writes, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely upon ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know what? There are some things in life that we only learn through pain. We never learn the lessons, the hard, the important lessons of life when everything's going great, because we feel like we've somehow figured it all out. But when pain comes, we begin to discover, wow, there, there are some truths that I need to, to understand. And while it's difficult at the time, when we look back, the lessons that we've learned make the pain worth it. They make the pain worth it. I want to tell you, I've learned lessons that way. I've learned lessons the hard way, and probably you have as well. And you don't forget those lessons. But you can only learn them sometime through your pain, because pain is life's greatest teacher. And then fourthly, God uses pain to give me a ministry to other people. God uses pain to give me a ministry to others. You see, pain makes me humble. Pain makes me sympathetic to people and sensitive to others' needs. And so that leads us to step number eight that I told you a few moments ago, is that when we've kind of walked down this road of recovery and we've experienced it and we've found some healing, step number eight is to yield myself to God to now help other people. Now I want to be used by God to help others. Because now I'm getting a ministry here. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, again, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. What does he say? He says that sometimes we may be allowed to walk through the struggles of life and the pain of life and experience God's comfort and peace so that now we are able and equipped to help other people. We can share pass that that comfort forward to others. Here's the reality is that God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a hurt. There is a lesson to learn in every aspect of our life if we're willing to do so. So why does God allow us to experience pain? Because we got a free will, because He wants to get our attention, because He wants us to depend upon Him, and when we do that, then He wants us to turn it around and use our weaknesses and our experiences to help others. Let me ask you this, who who better to help an addict than a recovering addict? I, I don't know what that's like, I've never experienced that, but there are people who have and who know how difficult it is, how challenging it is, and now they're able to help that person because they've experienced, they've been through it all, they know what they're dealing with. Who's better to help an abused person than someone who has experienced abuse themselves and recovered from it? Who better to help a grieving parent than someone who has lost a child? You see, when we've been hurt and we've experienced pain, we can do one of two things. We can just crawl inside of ourselves and we can just focus on ourselves, or we can turn that around and recycle that and reach out to other people. And that's what God wants to do, to recycle the pain in our lives to help others. You see, sometimes in life there are people who are out to hurt us, no doubt. And they do so, the, the people in our lives, we mentioned because of their free will. We know that there is an enemy, the Satan, who is out to hurt all of us and destroy us, to, to, he, uh, to kill and destroy. But you know what? God wants us to see something good in spite of that. And I go back to the Old Testament again, the story of Joseph. Joseph was a young man born uh, into the, the lineage of, of Abraham. I mean, he had an incredible ancestry. He was gonna be a great leader. But unfortunately, like a lot of families, there was a lot of dysfunction there. And when he was a little boy, he was one of the youngest, and and his brothers mistreated him. In fact, they hated him. They were jealous of him. And he was spoiled by his father, which is never a good combination. And when he got older to be a young teen, they actually grabbed him and sold him into slavery into another country where he was almost guaranteed to die. And then in spite of his slavery there, he, he went through uh, some abuse and ended up in prison. And you can imagine what prison was like in that day. But God blessed him and, and Joseph allowed himself to overcome all of this. And in fact, to be used by God. And later on, we know the story that he ended up as second in command in Egypt. And now he's over almost everything. Pharaoh's given him control of everything with all this food, all this authority. And then one day his brothers come to him. And through a series of events, eventually they discover who he is and they're terrified because all of the hurt that they had brought upon their brother is now in front of them and he has the power to hurt them back. You probably know this story, but here's what Joseph said to them. He brushed it off and he said, you know what? You intended it for harm, but God intended it for good. You intended it for harm, but God intended it for good. And we get to a point in our life where we can say, you know what? God... People intended to hurt me, but you have turned this around, and you have brought healing in my life, and God, you have allowed not only for me to heal, but now I have the power and the ability to help other people. See, God can take your hurt and turn it around and use it for good, so don't waste a hurt. But I'm telling you, you can waste a hurt if you allow it to become bitterness, and and you don't learn from it, you don't share it with others, and it controls your, your life, you have wasted that hurt that God allowed you to experience, probably for a good reason. Now, the second question is, real quickly, how do I use my pain to help other people? You're saying, well, I've been through some stuff, but how do I use that to to benefit other people? It's a new thing, a new thought for me. 1 Peter chapter 3 says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So Peter is telling us, and primarily he's talking about being willing to to be ready to share Jesus with other people, which we should. But he's also talking, I think, we can extend this a little bit, and we can say, you know what? God wants us to use our experiences and be prepared to to tell people why we have hope, how God has helped us, the practical things in life. Be prepared to answer when people ask you, how did you overcome that challenge? How did you get past the abuse? How did you deal with that addiction? How How did you stop enabling and get out of that situation that was... So toxic in your life. How did you do that? Be ready to do that. Because if you've dealt with and overcome a challenge, addiction, a hurt, habit, hang up of some sort in your life, you need to be willing and available. And if you are, God will give you the opportunity. He will bring that to you. You see, God knows your heart and you say, well, I've never had a chance to talk to him. Maybe you weren't ready. Maybe you weren't willing. God knows you are. He will give you that chance. And it may be unlikely in the way it comes. So I want to encourage you to, like we've talked about a few weeks or several weeks here, make a list of what you've been through and what you've learned through it and be prepared so when God brings somebody along in your life, you're going to be able to to be effective in doing that. Be willing to tell your story. We talked earlier about how important it is to be be honest and and open and, and, and let people know that you struggle as well. Write your story down to make it concise and focused. You know, this really is called your testimony is what it is. It's what God's done in your life. And some of us will say, well, you know, I haven't had that huge, you know, downfall, this big experience. It doesn't matter what your testimony is. There are people who can relate to that, who need to hear that. And if you're willing, God's going to give you the opportunity to do that. And let me just say this. Sometimes you need to take the, op- take the initiative. There are times when, when God gives you opportunities to help people. And, and I'm going to be honest. We've, we've talked about a couple of them already. One of them is, is Celebrate Recovery. Uh, we have a group of people who for a couple of months now or more have been preparing themselves. And next Monday night, uh, we're going to launch our, our opening to everybody of Celebrate Recovery, which has a broad application of hurts, hang-ups, and, and habits for people uh, to, to come and experience healing from. And then we also talked just a few moments ago. Eric talked about, and uh, in the video, uh, Dan was talking about folks with special needs. You know, maybe you have dealt with that or, or you have a friend or someone who has all these are two ways that you can take the initiative and prepare yourself, voluntarily saying, I'm ready to be used by God. And when you do that, God's going to give you the opportunity. There may be other times when people aren't asking you. You know, we talked a little bit about an intervention, that sometimes you just show compassion on people who don't know how broken they are, and just be honest with them and, and challenge them. But the Bible says this in Galatians 6, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who, are, who live in the Spirit... Should restore that person gently, but watch yourself, for you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we carry one another's burdens, but we do it carefully. We do it carefully. So let me give you a couple suggestions about how to help other people. Number one, be humble. Be humble about it. Someone said that that all of us should approach people in their need as one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. We found something, we discovered something, so we want to help other people discover and experience that. See, you don't have to have it all together to do that, and you should acknowledge that. You're getting it together, you're hoping to get it together, but it's only with the grace of God that you're able to even make the progress that you have. So be humble about that. Secondly, be real. Be honest about your faults. Be transparent and, and vulnerable. And that takes a lot of courage in our life. Again, next week, some wonderful friends and brothers and sisters in Christ are going to come up here, and they're going to open their lives up to you, and they're going to talk about the challenges in their life. I want to tell you, that's courageous. That is bold. It really is. I'm, I'm amazed, by, I'm impressed by their willingness to do that. They're going to share their stories. And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful to be a part of a church where that's okay. You know what? Where people who are real can share real problems and real solutions without being judged or being put down. And we're committed to being a church that maintains that kind of acceptance and support in our church. Because when you're real, and not only are other people blessed, but you heal a little more yourself. When you're honest, you begin to heal, and it helps you as well. And then thirdly, don't lecture people. Don't lecture. In your testimony, God wants you to be a witness, not a prosecuting attorney. We don't need to come across as being critical or are lecturing people. God wants us to encourage them because you can't argue anybody into heaven and you can't argue anybody out of their issue. All you do is share and love them and encourage them. Well, guys, we're gonna wrap this series up uh, this morning and I wanna challenge you to take four steps, four action steps that every one of us need to take heed and, and maybe you need to do one of these things today. First of all, if you have not committed your life to Christ, do so today. This is the most important thing of all. Every other step that we might talk about is a good thing, a helpful thing, but this is the crucial thing. If you've not given your life to Christ, do so today. It would be a tragedy to hear this series and about recovery and what God is offering to you, the gift He wants to give you, and not do anything about it. If you have never stepped across the line and given your life to Christ, I want you to do that today. I just want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to be up front. Tony's up here on the front. Others are willing to step up. We would love to have people making the decision this morning to give their life to Christ. Here's the second thing. If you have given your life to Christ and you've experienced some recovery, I would encourage you to write your story out. Write it out so that you know what it's about and how it can be concise and, you know, kind of hone it down and, and focus on uh, the strength in it. And then thirdly, commit yourself to a group for support. I would encourage you, if you need to go to celebrate recovery, about any of these things we've talked about, and again, it's a broad application if you wonder that if Celebrate Recovery uh, addresses your issue, then, then it probably does, all right? It probably does because it addresses all sorts of any type of issue, and you can get some information. In fact, in our uh, coffee area, there's some uh, pamphlets laid out about what areas it, it, can, uh, it can cover, but I would encourage you to be a part of a group like that. If you feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm not in need of that right now, I would still encourage you to be a part of a group. Because we know that we grow in community, and last week Tony shared with us about the fact that we are uh, putting groups together even, even now and uh, are going to be focusing on that in a couple of weeks. So if you're not in a group, I would love for you to see me or see Tony, and, and we'll get you connected to a group because you need to commit yourself to a group for support. Number four, ask God to give you somebody to share your story with. When you ask God, God, give me somebody to, to invest in and share with, God's going to provide that personal of that person, and you tell your story, what God's done for you. And that last step is so important. In fact, this is the step that we follow the rest of our life. We just keep doing it. We yield ourselves to be used by God to bring the good news of Jesus and the good news of healing to other people, both by our example and by our words. And we spend our life growing, investing in people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, you're so good. And uh, God, you just long to not only invite us to yourself, but then you turn it around and you use us, you use our story. God, I pray that all of us, if the church were the church and we were doing this, God, what an amazing difference it would make into our world if we just turn this around and invest it into people and love them like you've loved us. So God, I pray for your blessing on us as we commit ourselves to this, as we commit ourselves to following Christ. And Lord, that through all of this, you would be glorified and people's lives would be changed.